Welcome to the second episode of Four Seasons in a Funeral, the show where we go back and watch shows that had four good seasons and a disastrous final fifth season. Uh, this is our second episode, and we'll still be following on with Fringe. This time we're going to be talking about episode two of season one, The Same Old Story. Uh, my name's Nick, and joining me are... I'm Charlie. D- David. I we didn't introduce ourselves last time. Charlie just said the names. Oh, that's fair. I don't know. I thought it worked out better. You caught, you caught me off guard. I'll have to edit that to make it seem more natural. Or we're we just going to restart this. Am I just going to say all of that again? Nope. It is this, this... Nope. All right. Nope. Never mind. This all stays in now. Oh, no. Hello, everyone. Great, great, way to, great way to start off this episode. Man, he's in tune. The production quality is already way down. <laughs> um... <laughs> Oh, so bad. Okay. Oh, boy. Well. Uh, yeah. So we're talking about episode two of Fringe, same old story. Uh, before we get into it, like, let's have some, like, banter. Essentially, how how's everyone doing since the last episode? Uh, uh, since the last episode, uh, I'm now three episodes deep into season two. Oh, God. Wow. <laughs> is, is it, it, how, how's that going at this point? Uh, oh, it's so much fun. Uh, it's an interesting time. This seems very unfair that I can't watch it. <laughs> no. I mean, you can, you just shouldn't. Yeah, just just because then David will get your like pure reactions. Like, neither of us are going to have the same reactions as like you will have to watching the episodes. Uh, it's just unfortunate because now you have to wait another, what, like 18 episodes? Yeah. Oh, it's uh, so long. It's been uh, great watching it with my girlfriend because she's never seen Fringe before and she has all the pure reactions and it's so fun. It's a good time. Uh, question question to you, Charlie, because as I said, 18, uh, something that we discussed briefly off, are we going to toss in that unaired episode that was supposed to go in season one but is now in season two? What's what's our plan? Uh, no, we'll do, we'll do viewing order. Okay, like we'll do viewing order. order. And then we'll we'll talk about it when it happens and address that if we remember yeah if we remember it that's that's gonna be a ways yeah oh and just from watching ahead so far i feel like we should address some of the stuff we said in the previous episode mainly about the the broils and the entire like sexual assault references that go nowhere they do go somewhere they do i was i was biting my tongue because i remembered where they went yeah we're handling it where like we haven't seen the future episodes, so we can talk about it when they yeah. do go somewhere. Yeah, just no. but ignore I... everything we said last episode about this never coming up again because <laughs> that was our bad memories. It does come up again. Oh, Oops. your bad memory. I think both Nick and I knew what was <laughs> what was happening, and we just did not say anything. Oh well, okay. Here's here's what I'll say. Uh, you guys have been like watching ahead in all of this. Now nah, I've just been watching the like first couple episodes again. Like, I haven't actually watched the second part of season one again in this, like, most recent go-through that we've had. Like, I watched up to what with, I watched with David, and that's been it so far. Like, and I've, like, rewatched them again now to take notes and things like that. But that is it. So, uh... That's what I've been doing as well, to be fair. But it's only because I watched the other episode, like, rest of the season, like, two weeks ago. And I still remember it. Exactly. I think the last time I watched season one before this was... Ooh, um late 2015 oh yeah maybe maybe no it was late 2015 so uh yeah no like you know half a decade ago so it's been, it's been a while for me since the last episode i finished my galarian pokedex <laughs> that's a very important update for me personally and where i am currently in life and, and that, that says a lot 
says uh, a lot about my life. I'm glad the Pokemon's been going well for you. <laughs> you know, I'm 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 currently you know back at uh, back at school, back doing that that master's research stuff. That's a fun time. Enough ooh. of this nerd talk. Let's talk about Fringe. I was gonna of say, course. ooh, another breadcrumb hint for how old we are. <laughs> oh yeah, ooh, spooky. Well, no, I, I'm just a different age from you guys, right? Yeah, totally. I like mean, entirely. from me, you're basically a year off. God damn it, Charlie. What the fuck? <laughs> Another breadcrumb <laughs> hint. All right. Anyways, uh, episode season one, episode two of Fringe, the same old story. Here's the TV guide summary. Uh, the bizarre death of a woman who gave birth to a rapidly aging baby after an hours long pregnancy challenges the nascent partnership between dr bishop peter and olivia who reaches out to massive dynamics nina sharp for answers I believe you'll find that's pronounced nascent nascent uh, yeah. reading these is going to be just a trial of just me not being able to pronounce things <laughs> oh i cannot wait it's gonna be so great to be able to correct you on all this stuff though, though charlie you've got you know nothing to talk about when it comes to pronunciation oh no absolutely nothing <laughs> <laughs> We all flub words, and we all call each other out on the flubs. It's fine. Let's not delve into this anymore. <laughs> okay, so the original air date for this episode was September 16th, 2008. Um, yeah, so let's just get right into it. Uh, holy um, fuck. Yeah. Oh, man. What a, what a start again. What a fucking cold open. Oh, uh, this is God. worse to me than melting people on a plane. Oh yeah, so much worse. Again, the melting people—we didn't actually see anyone melt. We just saw like the aftermath, right? Like it was no one. We didn't see skin melting. This one, we see like actual body horror. Yeah. So it opens up with this dude and what is basically immediately revealed as a prostitute. Um, they just finished having sex. Once again, I, I have here allegedly, but goddamn it, then it gets confirmed later. <laughs> Yeah, so we, we do have our first confirmed sex on the show. Yes, it's very hard to dispute the sex that happened in this episode. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, first episode, there's no no, no confirmation. Yeah. Uh, heavily implied. So they finish yes. having sex, he gets up to go to the bathroom, and she very immediately is like, oh, hey, could we get food? Like, I'm dying for, like, a giant pepperoni pizza and all this uh, stuff. No, no, no. Much weirder than that, which I'm pretty sure is the, like, cravings starting to kick in a little bit. Yeah. Because um, she says mushroom pizza. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. Is it just mushrooms on a pizza? I think so. I think that's what that which, would be. Which, cheese ooh. and mushrooms. Oh, that does not sound like a good pizza. Yeah. Um, he goes into the bathroom and opens up what looks to be like just a bag of like torture surgical instruments and starts filling up a syringe and then she starts screaming and this is where the body horror happens because her stomach is just like expanding and something is poking at it not her stomach her womb yeah yeah but it's like the most horrifying thing you will see oh it's it is terrifying it's like oh look the baby's kicking but no 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 baby's doing a lot more than that (laughs) it's moving yeah and it's like that's the one thing just like speaking as a a middle-aged man uh that they never show you about pregnancies is like the belly isn't just perfectly spherical the entire time it pokes a normal baby will poke out and move also charlie middle-aged what the fuck are you talking about Charlie, i was like i'm dying at 50 right (laughs) 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 this is my midlife crisis (laughs) 
this episode in particular, or this this uh, podcast. This podcast is my midlife ah. crisis. Uh, I'm okay. glad to hear it. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Just about the need to call you out there, but if yeah. that's if that's your explanation, that makes sense. I, I guess. Oh god. Uh, so yeah, she starts screaming. They're in a motel. It gets revealed, and um, she starts screaming and makes her way outside of the hotel room. At which point, the other people hear a woman screaming and start poking their heads out, going, hey, uh, does she need help? And our dude, who was allegedly planning murder, ends up going, no, I got her, and takes her to a hospital and drops her off. Um, Yep. And at this point, we see her getting wheeled down on one of the beds, and she is very, very obviously pregnant. Also, David, I'd like to point out, you left it as just like, oh, and he drops her off. Nah, he dumps her out right in front of the hospital. Yeah, he like kicks her out of the car. Like kicks her out of the car. Like, it's, <laughs> you made that sound way nicer than it actually was. Like he walked her and was like, oh, I just, yeah, I was like, oh, I just need to go find parking and leaves. No. <laughs> he opens the door, shoves her out and is like, bye and speeds off. And she's like, what the fuck is happening to me? And they're like wheeling her out and they're like, ma'am, how far along are you? And she's like, what are you talking about? And they're like, pregnant. And are you like eight? nine months and she's like i'm not pregnant which like fair she wasn't a half hour ago yeah and then um she they're in surgery and like you hear like all this cracking and tearing and then she's dead and they do a cesarean and then the nurse looks at the baby and does like the best horror movie scream it is a solid horror movie scream it's just like look at camera looks at nurse jump zoom in and then her like deep breath and then scream and i love it every time i see it yeah and then we cut to the opening credits yep which uh great great thing that i noticed this time compared to last time there was no projector fun noise this time there was no like the like click 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 sound so yeah i was now i'm not sure if that's in just episode one or all all of the uh and just some episodes i've been listening for it and haven't heard it so I think yeah. it might just be in the pilot I really love it, though. It sounds so good in there. I think Nick's a dirty liar. It's what it is. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Go back and listen. It's there. I'm totally not crazy. I promise. Uh, that sounds like uh, effort. Which, as we all know, given, given uh, David's penchant to Pokemon, he does not have any ability for it. Uh, but yeah, I have a note here that's just so many lens flares, dude. And I think Yeah, this is where you start seeing more lens flares. There are so many in this opening, like cold open it was crazy well so it seems to be that when action and fringe science meet lens flares must happen and that's sort of how the show motif is do you think that's just jj shorthand for sci-fi like this is how he thinks of just like hey this is sciency he just does a lens flare i mean like in star trek it makes more sense because it's like ooh, this is future and it's all bright and there's lights coming everywhere and like there's so much stuff you don't see just off frame in this, it makes like no fucking sense. I don't know. It's 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 an inter- like it's a nice thing to be able to like have in there to like it's a nice thing to be able to have in there for people like to be basically be able to say, oh, this is really important, and it catches the viewer's eye. Um, it is a lot though, but it it certainly <sighs> captures the like gets the viewer's eye, and if you know you're not looking at the screen at that moment, but you like you see it in your peripherals, you get drawn instantly to it with those lens flares. Yeah, I just think it's one of those things where once you are looking for them, they're just everywhere. Oh, it's hilarious once you're looking for them. 
But if you don't look for them, it's less of a big deal, I feel like. Like, first time watching this, it was not something where, like, you know, I was, like, laughing all the time at how many lens flares there were. Yeah. No. It's definitely something you gotta notice first, and then it sort of, like, ruins it for you. And then after the opening credits, I think we just jump into a five-minute-long exposition dump of what happened in the pilot. Yeah, it's just a quick recap of all of the main characters. It's just Broyles talking to the committee, which I don't know is ever brought up again, really. I think they just moved to it being an FBI division. Yeah, like, this is really the only time that I, like, fully remember Fringe Committee being a thing. But also, as I just said, I need to watch the rest of season one again. I really can't remember if they bring them back up or if they just kind of abandon this. But Nina Sharp is on the committee and... Once again, showing the hilarious sway like that massive dynamic holds in the government. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, great. it's also really weird, though, because it's supposed to recap the pilot, but he's like, oh, and we here's the new Fringe team. Olivia Dunham did this, yada. And then Nina's like, well, let's not forget about crazy Walter Bishop. I'm like, but you were supportive of the entire team in the pilot. Well, they needed, it's just exposition. They have two of the like main side characters there. Just a quick recap. It's just jarring, especially because this, what, this 16th, so this premiered like a week and a day after the pilot? Yeah. It's not like there was a huge gap either. Well, I mean, I think, remember, this was back on TV also, where like, if if someone, if one of your friends had seen the pilot and said it was a good episode, there was no way for you really to go back and watch the pilot yourself. If you, this would have been an onboarding episode for a lot of people as well. Yeah. Essentially being told, hey, Fringe is a good show. You should watch it. This is when it airs. So it makes sense in that perspective. And I appreciate like season one, there is like a decent amount. Like if you watch every episode, you'll notice the interconnectedness between episodes, but you can also dive into basically any one episode. And like, yes, it'll take a second to get kind of like caught up with Olivia um, and like Olivia, Walter, Peter. But like, you know, once you've spent like the first like five to 10 minutes catching up with that, you can just enjoy the episode. Yeah. And this is, this is kind of a product of like David was talking about TV at the time. And this is what, kind of hinders a lot of tv writing to me is you have to be like oh cool we have we've built up all this stuff but now we have to spend 10 minutes in case this is someone's first episode so we don't completely alienate them yeah and it's something that speaking in present time like you don't see that much because of binge culture and netflix and being able to go back and being like well we can watch from episode one and you Mm -hmm. don't have those random exposition dumps that are pretty frequent in tv around now Mm mm-hmm Yes, those exposition dubs do get like a little bit old. I really, I like, but I honestly like really, really appreciate. And that's how it works for like, I feel like most, like a lot of season ones, at least with TV and things, um, where there's like, there's no, there's, like, yes, Fringe does have a grand overarching plot in season one, um, but it's not there. It's pretty monster of the week for season one. It's very monster of the week. And I really actually appreciate that they did that for season one of Fringe. Like, I, I, yeah. I like that. Uh, I like that kind of TV. Uh, because it means I can just watch a random episode and I don't have to be worried about what I've seen before. Yeah. I think the best description of Fringe that I've seen is that it's just X-Files mixed with like um, CSI, essentially. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And instead of aliens, it's just weird sci-fi. Like Fringe is always the answer. It's always Walter at the end of the day. (laughs) Yeah. It's either Walter did this or Walter worked on it or... Walter did something similar to it and can solve it for you anyways. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So the, uh, the incident happens at a hospital. We get this quick recap of our main characters. And then we cut to um, 
Olivia essentially getting the call to investigate the uh, hospital. Yep, while looking over some uh, old case files. Right. Yeah, and then she uh, rallies the team, which is Walter and Peter, and they go to the hospital, and they find a uh, very decrepit old man with a umbilical cord still attached to him, dead of natural causes. And he grew from a baby into an 80-year-old man in three hours. Yes. Yeah, no, it's three hours. Because it was, she came in at midnight, and it's now 4 a.m., and he is dead. Uh... Yeah, and then um, the Observer, just because he pops up early in this episode, is actually standing behind the hospital desk as Broyles is walking them over to the uh, old fetus man. Which oh. I was, I was really, I was really pissed off because I really like I remembered afterwards. I was like, oh no, wait, Observer was in the hospital because I'd like I'd looked up for like the first like couple episodes, and I still totally missed it for this episode. He pops up twice in this episode, actually. Yeah, because he pops up near the end again, doesn't he? Yeah, and yeah. I'll mention it when we get there, but they're just so quick. It's just it is sometimes they're quick and sometimes they hold on him for like yeah. three seconds and it's like, did you see him? Did you see him? Did you see him? Yeah. It is it is an interesting it's it's fun to try and find. But uh so the team starts realizing that they don't really know where this woman was or how to find out what she was doing, at which point they hear a that someone called from the hotel she was staying at where she fucked that dude. Uh, <laughs> that, which, which uh, yes, you can now actually say that. Yep. Where she fucked that dude. Uh, and that they were asking if the pregnant woman got to the hospital okay. And so they investigate the motel. Olivia does this super cool thing where she's like, ah, oh, I'm looking for the thread count of these of the sheets. And then she says, ah, oh, there'll be sheets in the cupboard there. And uh, Peter goes, what the, f- how, how did you do that, essentially? And we learn that this is the work of a serial killer that uh, she worked on with her former partner who died last episode, John Scott. You know, it's, it's the same old story for her. Oh, that, oh, boo, <laughs> boo. Are you going to do this for every episode? I'm going to try my best. God damn it. You already got his last time with the pilot. I mean, it's really easy with the next episode, too. Charlie, I know. I'm going to let you get the next one, too. The show gets the next one. They name drop it in the next one. Yep. Uh, yeah. What is the what is the serial killer's name? Because I didn't write it down. Oh, one uh, second. Uh, it's something Penrose. I don't know. Does he have a first name? No, no, no. They give him, like, serial killer name and i think yeah. it's like the oh. brain surgeon or something oh yeah no oh yeah it's a brain surgeon because his because his name well sorry i've revealed something but we'll get there when we get although there. it's so peter finds in the bathroom the the orange gel that in the beginning the guy was filling a syringe up with this orange liquid and peter finds a drop of it and olivia recognizes it as uh, a paralytic agent that the brain surgeon uses because he kidnaps women paralyzes them and then cuts through their upper lip to mm-hmm. go up through their nasal cavity to get their pituitary and they assume it's just like a trophy thing it's also i why why do they got to be alive during this like why why can't they be dead why why are you going to do surgery on them while they alive so the, uh, the other great thing i still like honestly between this and what happens to poor lorraine at the start of this like I still think what happened to Lorraine is worse. Yes. Like to, to the cold open, like the woman. Like 
Oh, well, yes. Oh. Having having a human being crush you from the inside is definitely worse. Than being alive and basically awake during, uh, you know, someone killing you. Yeah. <laughs> By just, you know, taking out a part of your brain. It's, it's, a, fun, it's a fun choice to have, but... Ugh. Oh, yeah, you did mention her name being Lorraine, which is also spelled incorrectly. Yeah. She mentions this at the beginning. Poor Lorraine Daisy. They also mention it when they find her and look through her IDs. And I think uh, Charlie is... No, it's it's Peter. Oh, does Peter go? Like, oh, Lorraine, spelled wrong? (laughs) Yeah. And then it's something about the the growing fast is Peter or Walter's kind of like, oh, this reminds me of something this reminds me of something and then he like grabs peter and he's like i remember where i parked my car 17 years ago <laughs> and this is kind of the first instance of walter has safe houses all over the city yes and so they go and walter gets all of his files out of the back of the car and this is where they kind of start pushing peter more towards an engineer rather than a scientist yes well, he has the line where it's like, uh, you might be the lost scientist, but anything mechanical I can bring back to life. Yeah. yeah it's, hey, you can bring a hamster back to life, but I can, bring a, I can bring anything mechanical back. And this is the nice little personality shift where they're, Peter's not a huge dick anymore. Yeah, basically, this, this episode brings out, like, you know, at the start of the episode, Broyles is sticking up for Olivia in the meeting with the French committee. Uh, yeah. And Peter actually, like, seems a little bit less of a dick. Like, they, they basically, like, you can tell that between the pilot and this episode, there was a lot of, like, hey, there were too many characters that were just kind of assholes. Like, we'd like them to be nice. Peter's no longer calling Olivia sweetheart. Yep, there's, there are, there are uh, the honey account, the honey count for Li- Olivia this episode is zero, which is nice. Thank God. <laughs> I, I thought there might have been one, and I had to like go back and listen to it twice and went, oh no, that was just, uh, wait, ready? And it was like, blah, 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 ready or something. And it sounded just a little <laughs> bit like it. But no, yeah. there were none, uh, which I was very happy about. Fuck. That, that episode one has given us like PTSD with the word honey and sweetheart. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> like, we're just, you're now hearing it when it's not there anymore. <laughs> oh, it was terrible. Uh, also, one other thing that I just want to talk about that we uh, that we kind of skipped over. Uh, so they show the body like one more time in uh, Walter's lab where he's like taking like samples out of the body and it's aged further. Uh, like, I don't know if you guys yeah, know. Yeah, no, it's oh. more desiccated now. It's like a mummy almost. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah, I did. I did notice that that one is oh, okay. that little detail where it's like the skin's kind of draping off, and you can mm-hmm. see more bones, and like it's almost a a skeleton at this point. Yeah, no, it's nasty. Well, yeah, that's also when he figures out that the uh, sh- the woman was impregnated, like, uh, and died from old age, like, really quickly, and that the child yeah. must have accelerating uh, dis- aging, essentially. Yes. But uh, yeah, so while they're getting the car set up, Olivia is back at the FBI base, essentially, talking to Francis. She essentially asks him to reopen the serial killer cases that uh, she and uh, John Scott worked on. And there's the great line there, which I have uh, quoted, because Francis is a little um, hesitant to do it. And she asks how Olivia is doing. And Olivia goes, uh, I feel like I want to take a shower from the inside out. Yeah. And that, that line did really stick with me. Francis just very quietly goes, I'll get those case files for you. <laughs> <laughs> Which I yeah. thought was amazing. Like, what other response do you have to that? Like, you know, you're, you're trying to help a colleague out, make sure they're okay. And they, they say that. 
and it's like all right i'm just gonna do whatever you ask like i, yeah. I don't have anything else to say um we also get a scene of the killer going into the club and getting his next victim and this is the other spot where you see the observer who's hidden in the club in the back you can see oh really yeah i mm. did i really didn't notice that one it i think you can only see his hat Hmm, okay. Maybe it was just a dude with a, another. Maybe it was just another dude with that hat. Maybe it wasn't the observer. Just trying to be cool. Lie to you. It's a very recognizable fedora. <laughs> it's, this is fair. It was also 2008. Wasn't that like prime fedora age era? Oh, God. <laughs> Could have been just some nerd of a fedora. Sorry, uh, that's not a fedora. It's a trilby. Oh, <laughs> the worst kind of person. <laughs> Uh, God damn it, Charlie! Fuck off! I can't. Who knows the difference between a fedora and a trilby? That that is yeah. So anyway, Walter like goes through his old files and is like, "Oh yeah, the U.S. military contracted a bunch of us out to try and grow soldiers quicker, and we figured out how to do it. We could just never shut the growth off." And he's like, "I worked with this guy, Doctor Klaus Penrose, and it's conveniently he's in Boston." Because everyone's in Boston. So they go and talk to him. I think we skipped over the part where the uh, killer ends up getting a new uh, victim. No, Charlie no, did mention talked it. about that. Did yeah, we? That's how we got the fedora discussion. Yeah, but we didn't mention that he took her to, instead of a motel, he took her to a uh, different place, right? Yeah. I yeah, think, that, I think to... that is the next scene. but Yeah, he takes oh, okay. her to a warehouse. Yeah, he takes her to an abandoned warehouse where they... Um, where he essentially does the actual process. He doesn't have sex with her this time and just kills her yeah. through the horrific brain surgery method. After, you know, being like, hey, go, go look at this bridge. And like, you know. <laughs> no, really, go look at the bridge. Go, go look at the bridge, damn it. Uh, she totally doesn't come back to bite him later. Yeah, this is so <laughs> it's such a weird episode. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the fringe team goes and talks to the other scientist and he's like walter should be locked up he's a threat to humanity the, the reason i stopped work on these was because they were unethical which like yes 100 <laughs> percent agree yeah the ethics behind this is terrifying but uh so he essentially like has nothing really to give so they leave and then they uh learn news about the uh new victim essentially that was murdered yeah. in the warehouse um they get the body back and olivia has a panic attack realizing that the serial killer has changed his mo which means that they are no longer uh on well well what was the word she said they lost their lead or something basically because yeah. she expected him to be back at a motel because that's what he'd always done but now yeah. he's taking them back to like yeah to this warehouse instead uh which obviously is going to dump their bodies elsewhere and then Walter, when they get the body back in the lab, Walter realizes someone finished his work on the project and made someone who aged rapidly. But the only way they can not grow to an old man in three hours is if they, for some reason, use the hormones from the pituitary to keep his own aging in check. It's just yeah. a little bit of hand-wavy plot there's, stuff. There's hand-wavy, like, hey, hormones. Because, like, yes, they do control... They do control mm -hmm. like the aging in the body uh, well, sort of. You could tell, you could say that telomeres do that as well. Uh, but anyways, uh, beside the point. Um, but like, yes, they do control like a lot of the body um, and a lot of bodily functions. But like, 
sure it's fine i'll i'll accept it it's exactly don't don't worry about the rapid growth and how much food they'd have to eat just don't worry about that yeah uh, so it turns out the incident with lorraine was a mistake dude was just horny and did noobs forgot infection bang a prostitute and then steal her pituitary gland later she got <laughs> pregnant and his rapid aging passed off into the kid so I'm like I'm kind of surprised if I'm being honest that he was going to like steal her pituitary gland afterwards because like DNA evidence man like like there's there's no way that they don't just well I think they used a condom yeah it's implied they used a condom and he he brought his own medical grade sheets I guess and yeah he burnt like he takes them with him so I guess that part doesn't matter just yeah yeah and Walter Walter goes on to tell Olivia and Peter that condoms are always effective and that they should be careful and remember that. Oh, poor. And, and they're both very confused as to why Walter is telling them. But very confused and uncomfortable about, you know, Walter bringing some some nice yeah. just just sexual harassment into the workplace. Yeah. That's what you're looking for. <laughs> and then we cut back to the killer and we find out that uh, his dad is the doctor we met before. Mm-hmm. Lied, shockingly, um, and that he only needs one more pituitary gland, and he'll be okay forever. Because, like, what what we learn is, like, yeah, no, he was okay. So I'm guessing it's, hey, you, if you steal one more again, we'll be okay. Like, you'll be okay again for a while. Yeah, yeah. I guess we're supposed to assume that there's a stabilization process or something that he can go through. But uh, yeah, so they go. He picks up another prostitute, which I remember watching this the first time with Nick. And um, at least the first time when he goes to the club uh, and the girl just approaches him, I turn to Nick and be like, see, this is the problem with these shows. Like, I understand why all these girls are just approaching this dude and why he gets to, like, bring them back. And then Nick goes, because she's a prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> I went, yeah, that was my oh, favorite part. That was my oh, favorite yeah. Part. It was like, oh, yeah, no, 100%. He's just going to these bars and picking up all these girls. And it's like, David. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that makes a lot more sense if they're prostitutes. <laughs> In my head, dude was just like an amazing charmer. Oh god, David! <laughs> I really thought they would have made that clear when you know she comes back to the like when she comes back to the warehouse with him and is talking about how you know where she is now is so much better than the dive bar where she was working before. I just thought she was working at a different bar. <laughs> oh, David! I, I just I don't oh, know. Well. <laughs> on that note but, uh, uh... <laughs> anyway walter we then get our walter fix it portion of the episode where walter fringe science yeah walter gets to use fringe science and he's like oh i was thinking of this author who like posited that the last thing you see is forever frozen in your eye they're like well, that's he's like well everyone's like well that's ridiculous that's impossible and he's like but not if they were paralyzed because apparently that freezes your optic nerve signals. He and Peter had an argument about it for a while, to which point Walter goes, ah, but she was paralyzed. <laughs> Therefore, it's fine. Uh, yeah, no, Jules, Jules Verne, a uh, person who did 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, as uh, Peter mentions in the episode. Yeah. yeah. So they uh, realized that the only way they could figure out, uh, or the only way they could actually see what she saw was they need this random piece of tech that only Massive Dynamic has as always. So uh, Olivia goes back to Massive Dynamic. It has a body horror dream. Yep, uh, another what-the-fuck moment, JJ. 
for like no reason too. Like there's no reason she should have fallen asleep in the lobby. Uh, well, she's having this nightmare essentially where she's there with Broyles in the lobby of Master Dynamic, and she's talking to Broyles, and then Broyles goes, "Can I ask you something?" And he's like, "When the last time you had you had sex with John Scott, your previous partner, uh, did you use protection?" Oh, you didn't, did you? And then she has this terrible, terrible scene of a baby growing inside of her rapidly. Which, two things. I guess, subconsciously, Olivia still thinks Broyles is just going to sexually harass her, regardless. <laughs> and, and two, what the fuck, JJ? Why do we need this? What is the point of this scene? Well, so I think it's like pretty important to realize that like through um last episode and and this episode uh it's mentioned several times that olivia's not sleeping like she's like getting very very minimal amounts of sleep like she was up at 4 a.m reading case notes just on a random day uh so i think it's like it's it's mentioned like definitely in the previous episode where francis mentions like how she looks like crap and things like that because she hasn't slept but like continues through this that she is like sleep like she is hardly sleeping and is probably having some pretty horrifying nightmares when she's sleeping which is why she's not uh, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. I think this is. I think this is very much just. She just passed out while she was there. Like she just lack of sleep. Passed out. Doesn't know like all of. She doesn't know who John Scott is anymore. Doesn't know like he could have had growth powers. Exactly. Now she she is uh, she's currently going through the uh, the horrifyingness to get into the Ultraman sleep schedule. Oh. <laughs> you should do it, David. Uh, wait, what? Why? <laughs> More time to play Pokemon. Hmm, that is a strong <laughs> argument. See you in a month. Uh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so at the lab, or uh, at Massive Dynamic, she ends up talking to Nina Sharp again. Nina, they make some small talk, small talk for a moment. Nina Sharp has a great line here, which I also highlighted, where she's talking about airplanes, and how she doesn't like them, because my hand always gets sweaty singular yeah she has a robot hand mm -hmm. on the other one it's a good throwback into that episode that like you wouldn't admit like you wouldn't catch if you were just like randomly watching the episode and hadn't seen episode one but it's a nice little throwback yeah but uh yeah so olivia gets the MacGuffin, the scientific whatever thingy and she brings it back to the lab they use the uh science thing to see Man, such such good lingo I'm using right now. The, the laser to this... look at the optic nerve. There we go. Yeah, and they also like <laughs> they're also like, hey, cover your eyes, wear these goggles as the laser's going, and then they're like, let's see the results, and I'll take their goggles off, but the laser is still going. Uh, so I'd like to point out. Um, so shoutouts to the Fringe Wiki. Uh, there they have like a little goofs episode at the bottom of every episode, uh, and I was looking at the goofs for this, and yeah, no, that's just one of the goofs of the episode. Is um, the laser is still flashing even like after they removed the safety glasses because it's assumed that they had turned off the laser at that point and they just forgot to. Special effects guy were like, this goes for the entire time, right? Yeah, and they were like, I guess. Lasers aren't that harmful. I mean, it's fine. And here's here's the section where we get really CSI. -y. Oh, oh my god, this was amazing. This is oh, yeah. this is the I'm hacking the firewall scene for me, where they get a single image from the eye, and it's a bridge. And um, I think Astrid is like, I know that bridge. It's the, it's Blah Bridge on this street. Yeah, it's in wherever got the bridge 
And so they get a picture of the bridge, and apparently the FBI has a full 3D rendering of the bridge. They have a full 3D rendering of the bridge where they can then use 3D modeling to correctly get the angle of yeah. no, no, no. the bridge. So they have a full 3D model of the bridge. They match up the section of the bridge with what they got from the woman's eye. And then Olivia goes, we'll match the angle and triangulate the position. And Astrid goes, clickety, clickety, clack, got you the warehouse, the exact address, the exact window. Which, that, that sort of image registration fucking sucks there's no way that they had that back in 2008 like no fucking way like i don't nick says <laughs> as he does his masters on the topic <laughs> well I'm, I'm literally in machine vision right now and that's that's literally one of the projects i'm gonna have to do later in the course uh is bullshit exactly like this and i cannot wait for just banging my head against a desk for hours uh just hours about this uh <laughs> Yeah. Also, apparently, the FBI has access to a 24-7 satellite that's just so happened to be aimed at that oh, warehouse. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so good. taking pictures. Give me satellite pictures of this warehouse for the last 24 hours. How many satellites does the FBI have? <laughs> Why is it just taking pictures of this warehouse district in the middle of Boston? Oh, yeah. This um, is Thankfully, this is like one of the only one of the few times they do anything like this and i think they realized pretty quickly that it was it wasn't the best idea uh also to mention one of the other goofs that is talked about in the fringe wiki oh, uh, take yeah. a look at the yeah take a look at the uh link that i just put in uh to where stoughton massachusetts is so they they tracked a warehouse to stoughton massachusetts and there's this big bridge the issue being stoughton massachusetts is landlocked like and has hella landlocked <laughs> There would be no bridge, eh? Um, like, you'd have a bridge, like, over a river, but they got, like, a bay and things in there. Yeah, it's... Which, like, the biggest thing they've got in Stoughton, Massachusetts is a pond. I feel like it's Stoughton is the hometown of one of the writers, or they just threw a dart or have a random town generator from Massachusetts and went, where are we going today? Yeah, it's a little bit south of Boston. You know, you're good to go. It's just that bastard. Maybe, maybe it just has a really good view of the bridge. <laughs> have, have you looked at the map yet, David? Hey, you don't know. It could be a weird, ginormous, giant bridge. <laughs> All right, whatever you say. I've never been to Boston. I don't know what it's like there. Yeah, totally. But basically, out of all of this, we get, hey, we know exactly where the killer is. Uh, let's let's go let's go get them. So they bust in. He's I think he's doing surgery on one more person. He's got his last victim. Yes. And so he like takes off, and his dad, the doctor Klaus, is there too. So Olivia gives Peter a gun. Is like, watch him. I'm going after um, other. What is his name? Uh, Christopher Penrose, I think. Yes, Christopher son. Penrose yes, is Christopher. his son's name. Yeah. yeah. So Olivia chases after him, and probably for me, one of the cooler scenes in the show is they're running through like a train yard, and there's like light swinging, and every now and then, whenever Christopher runs into the dark and comes back into a light a light source, he's older because he didn't get the pituitary. Yep. So as this chase goes on, he's getting procedurally older and older and older. It's really well done for that. Yeah. Super they cool. They did once again. French did a really, really good job on a lot of their, uh, on a lot of their special effects for this, considering like the time period. And like, it, not to say that you know, two thousand eight was like you know, 
the dark ages of of cgi but like yeah, for a tv show this was really good so uh while olivia's chasing him the uh doctor is being held at gunpoint by peter uh the doctor quickly uh tries to murder the girl they were operating on and flees while peter uh calls walter and basically figures out how to make a defibrillator and uh bring the or save the uh the surgery victim's life I do love how like nonchalant Walter is through that entire phone call, and Peter's like, "How much voltage should I give someone whose heart is stopped?" And Peter's or Walter's like, "I don't know, like twenty volts." And it's like, "It's not working. Are you better crank it up then?" And he's just snacking on some like licorice or something, sitting with Astrid. <laughs> just the statement that came right before that is also one of my favorites because once again, just casual Walter drug use, um, and. Uh, Peter's like, hey, I need to restart this woman ha- woman's heart. Oh, and Walter yeah. just goes, oh, do you have any cocaine on you? <laughs> <laughs> and Peter's going, no. And he's like, oh, that's a shame. All right. Uh, electricity it sh- is. You'll have to shock her then. <laughs> it's like, all right, I guess we'll go to plan B. I didn't realize I didn't realize that cocaine could restart someone's heart. <laughs> I mean, a defibrillator can't either. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> we're just going to ignore a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, but that's what this is TV world. In TV world, defibrillators restart people's hearts, and so does Coke, apparently. <laughs> they both do the same thing with the electrical impulses in the heart. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> that's science. Science. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Olivia ends up uh, like catching up to Christopher, who at this point is a super old man, and he has a line where he says that um, his father was paid to do this essentially. And that he should have let him die, but he didn't because he loved me. At which point he dies of old age. Yeah. Which is very dark and very weird. And but also keeps leaving like little seeds that hey, there's still some bigger conspiracy yeah. going on. Yeah. Again, super cool because there's like a swinging lamp and he's like, the man I call father. Swings back, he's like ten years older, and it's like, should have killed me. It makes you wonder as well, like how much of this was just like he like like christopher was uh like how much of it he was like a willing participant in and how much of it was just started by you know his quote-unquote father uh and he just felt like he had to continue it like was his father the one that did the original murders for example um probably well it just brings up how old do you think christopher actually is like actual age wise because if he's under, he understands English. He understands concepts. He is, he's like an actual human being. So at most, he has to be at least like eight, right? If you think mental age, just mental age. Well, he understands we, sex though, but that could just be because he is an adult body, so hormones and stuff. We're gonna put this to the side because the end scene is a nice little segue into this. Mm-hmm. Okay. But uh, yeah, so uh, he dies, they bring the person, or Peter saves the woman, and they start to wrap up the case, essentially, because the doctor actually escapes. Penrose escapes. Yeah. Um, as they wrap up the case, they're completing, essentially, a bunch of forms to finalize their joining of the fringe team. And um, Walter pulls Olivia aside and ends up talking to her and going, so uh, as you've read my file, you probably also then read the medical notes about Peter. And I would just like to mention something. And as he's about to say something, Olivia goes, well, no, there were no actual medical files. It just said his date of birth in, his, uh, in your files. And Walter goes, oh, okay. Well, I was just going to ask you to keep that between us, but I guess I don't have to do that anymore. 
But yeah. It's like, oops. I shouldn't have mentioned that. It's fine, though. Just don't worry about it. And then we get a very nice scene at the end, because earlier Walter was saying he had trouble sleeping. He was sleeping in the closet. He was trying to count Fibonacci numbers to fall asleep, and he's like, oh, the dude at the mental institution always used to sing row 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 your boat and it lulled me to sleep and peter's like oh you crazy old man i'm trying to sleep but at the end of the episode peter kind of goes "Ugh," and starts singing row 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 your boat and it's just a nice little scene and these happen a lot this season where it's walter does something annoying and peter is annoyed but then at the end peter's like well he's my dad i'll do something nice for him i mean it always just makes me happy seeing those scenes Oh, it is super nice. And like, yeah, a bonding Happy moment Walter for them, which was super nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then we shift to some other place, and uh, there's three guys looking exactly like Christopher Penrose, the serial killer, lying in... One's in a bed, and two are in, like, incubators that have the massive dynamic logo on it. So it looks like... Because if you were going to age people, I assume you would clone them or use like the same source yeah so this is where it's like well how old is the christopher we saw in this episode yeah he could be eight he could be like 50 and they just kept him in a preserved state maybe and it's kind of reference that's like massive dynamic had him had the doctor do this project for them because they're holding the others just massive dynamic yeah. being super sketchy no it's it's fine but hey they also offer olivia a job at that point Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which oh. Like, they want to head up our security, and she's like, "Huh? Why are you offering me a job?" It's like, hmm, "No, awesome. thank you." <laughs> she does pause for a second, but it's pretty obvious that she's not going to uh, yeah. take it. Yeah. But yeah, it was a good episode, though. That was just solid, like a solid episode. Solid, like episode, like second episode for the show. Still horrific body horror. Well, it's kind of like, hey, JJ, how are you going to follow up doing? Uh, melting people on a plane and he's like i know rapid pregnancy it's it's a choice it honestly it reminds me of how house uh did its first couple episodes where like the third episode in there's like baby death Ooh, see i only watched random episodes of house so i didn't know that the the third episode of house this is just a weird aside um (laughs) there's some disease going through affecting newborns Mm-hmm. And they don't know what it is. And at some point, it's we think we know what it is. Give the cure to half the babies so that if we're right, half of them live. Because if you're wrong, then you kill the half that you gave it to. So, House is like, my decision, we're going to knowingly, like 100%, you're going to kill half the children, but you're oh. going to save half the children. And then the episode ends with House doing an autopsy on a baby. And you're like, episode three, bye. And it's like, holy shit. Ooh, all right, and then. kind of gives you the same feel where it's like, oh, they went super hard in the pilot to get people. They're not going to do that again. Oh, holy shit, they are. Yep. They're going to go harder in a different direction. It was, yeah, no, ooh, it really hurt. But yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a good episode. So let's, let's not forget about uh, our favorite parts uh, to talk about at the end of the episode. Uh, Charlie, what was the uh, cipher for this episode? The cipher for this episode was child, which is super fitting. Yeah, that it makes sense. Really well. Um, uh, it also ties into like if this was planned, like five other themes in the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a big theme. 
children they they kind of do show up a lot in this show yeah which is kind of a terrifying prospect but it's fine uh most of the time it's fine <laughs> most of the time it's fine uh and the other the other thing that will be introduced in this episode is uh so in every episode there is a clue to what is going to occur in the next episode uh this is only for season one i believe uh shout out to uh the fringe wiki again because there was no way i was going to be able to spot these things um so well, you notice some of them like sometimes you'll see them and be like oh hey that's kind that's of weird a- yeah all right so so where, where do you guys think the one that was in the pilot episode is is to this one well i would not know at all what was it uh so remember that scene where we see the observer oh, no uh, where we see massive dynamic where where yes. like the first like the first like thing where we see the fantastic word arc for massive dynamic uh, so where we see the rom where the outside, yeah. it's not quite the rom yet uh but uh from the outside uh there is a newspaper stand that is there um and in the newspaper stand uh there is like the front page of the newspaper there uh has a black like uh just picture of a pen beside a picture of a rose all just in like black ink related to rose yeah what the fuck exactly so there's no way i'm going to notice like any of those like incredibly well done by the french fandom back in the days to be able to spot all these things it's ridiculous yeah um and then question is do we want to use that do we want to use these as our lead into hey this is you know we'll be talking about episode three uh, for this one, or do we want to just mention it at the end of, hey, here's what it was in the previous one to relate to this episode? We should mention it at the end, I think, because we're All already right. behind. Yeah. No, and well, then we're not behind. We're perfectly on schedule for it. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> God damn it, David. Everyone needs to know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. All right. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so, do we want to do a... We didn't do this last time, but I think do we want to do a general rating of what we thought the episode was? Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Maybe the general rating out of five? Oh, out of five. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, this is probably a four out of five. This is about as solid as a second episode can get. Yeah, I would say that I would say this is one of the more solid episodes of season one in general. Like it has a good plot and stuff. Yeah, it's a three and a half or a four. Mainly I'm taking points off just because of the huge exposition dump at the beginning. Mm-hmm. See, so that the, the huge exposition dump doesn't really like bother me too much, especially with it being a second episode. You kind of like it's kind of important in case people miss like the, the first episode so i'm pretty okay with them including that where it's like all right cool you can get away with that for the first couple episodes and i'd agree it was a pretty like it was a solid like solid plot well well done didn't feel too rushed or anything like that uh, so i'd honestly give it like probably like a four and a half or so out of yeah. five like it, there, there weren't a huge number well the aging was a little bit fucked but also i'm not going to take off points because fringe science there's you can't explain it. It's not. Don't, don't try. <laughs> you can't. Uh, you can't take points off for the science not making sense in a oh, sci-fi yeah. show. There's, there's one episode where I will. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. In that case, uh, I'm going to go with four as well, or four. So we have a three point five leading to a four, a four, and a four, a four point five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is one of my favorite episodes. I think from season one. It is a really good episode. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Then that'll be our episode for this week. Mm-hmm. Um, as always, I've been David. I've been Charlie. God damn it, Charlie. I've been Nick, I guess, again. Uh... <laughs> Outro!
theme music for Four Seasons and a Funeral is Algorithms by Chad Crouch and is licensed under a attribution non-commercial 3.0 Creative Commons license.